Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Cheers, everybody. Uh, we are back in the Hammered Sports Lounge, uh, preparing for pretty NFL-heavy card tonight with the national championship game sprinkled in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a super wild card weekend, as they've dubbed it. Yeah, it should be a fun, really fun weekend of football. Yeah, the, apparently the NFL marketing team you know, really mailed it in. We're just calling it a super wild card weekend instead of something creative. Yeah, I guess they didn't really get after it there. Not that they need to. We're going to watch it no matter what they call it. Yeah, so. no question. Uh, so, Tom, give us a rundown on, of the agenda for tonight. Uh, we're going to recap last weekend. We're going to go over our season-long over-unders for the NFL. Then, of course, we're going to get the national title game. We're going to run down the uh, 18 picks, the tr- top of the draft order, which has already been set in stone. We're going to go over that, talk a little bit about our hammered take uh, for Rookies of the Year. And then we're going to talk about some of the playoff matchups and uh, conclude with our picks for the national title game and all of the NFL wildcard crazy action. Yeah, so kick it off for us, Tom. Yeah, so last weekend, um, tough one in the NFL. A lot of weird things happened. You had teams like Tampa Bay really screwing me over and just decided to let Brady play the whole game for some reason. And you had the Bills play their starters for the first half when it seemed like they had no reason to. Um and the Steelers make it a game with Mason Rudolph throwing for 300 yards. So a tough weekend in the NFL. One in five total for the podcast. Our consensus pick, however, was did come through for us. The Chargers handling business, as we had thought. Yeah, I mean, at least we've got something we can talk about that was successful last weekend. It was a rough, rough weekend for your boy, KG. Yeah, the college went a little bit better. We were 6-8 and eight in the picks for those last four days. Uh, but that brings us to 14-12 and 12 overall for Bowl Mania. Uh, so above 500 means money in your pocket. Yeah, we'll take it. I mean, to get to play all the bowl games, it, it, things, it just, the whole weekend for me felt like it was going sideways. But, you know, 14-12 and 12 for us over the course of the entire weekend. Can't complain too much. You got to play over the course of the whole bowl season. So yeah. we got we get to play 26 bowl games and made yeah, money. Made money, so... No complaints here. The NFL season picks were interesting. I, uh, Tom, yours truly here, went 2-2. Two and two. I hit on the Steelers over 8.5 and, and the Jets under 6.5. Oh, man, I should have hammered that even more than... Yeah. And uh, But missed on the Washington football team under 6.5. They finished at 7. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Bears under 7.5. They actually had a really good start to the season and held on there. You had a great shot with that Washington football team until Doug Peterson decided not to uh, play in the yeah. second half. Winning's not important, apparently. So. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, I think, here. <laughs> Kevin, though, you rolled 3-1. and one. The only one you missed was the Vikings. Yeah. Over 9, which was aggressive to begin with. You hit the Eagles under 9.5 by a lot. Patriots under 9, and then the Bengals under 5.5 all, all hit. So. Yeah, I got to say that was a very nice preseason you know selections for myself i did have one other preseason selection i think we might talk about a little later on that or maybe we won't get to it but um my play for uh offensive rookie of the year 
it's a toss-up. Is right in the hunt. Yeah, and I mean, it gets down to the two people. So, and we are going to talk about it tonight. So, yeah, we'll talk about it in a few minutes. But let's get back to the Eagles and Doug Peterson saying, "This game doesn't matter to us. Let's take the sixth pick instead of the ninth pick." And what that has the not so much the decision. Let's talk about what's happened since then. Yeah, the ramifications of it have been that a lot of his players are very unhappy. Uh, Jason Kelsey, who's very respected and one of the top three or four centers in all of the NFL. He's really been the anchor of that offensive line for some period of time. He, he very clearly showed his displeasure with it. Zach Ertz went and sat out at the field after the game by himself. He had to have other players came out and, you know, a show of support for him. You could see that he was visibly upset by what had taken place. There's just very much dissension there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how Doug Peterson gets the team back moving forward. No, I, I think uh, it's hard to talk about winning next season when it didn't matter to you last week, right? It becomes one of those, uh, you know, it's going to sound a little hollow coming from you when you just mailed it in and, you know, let, let it go. Obviously, we knew the Giants were going to be mad. I mean, they had a shot yeah. to make the playoffs and kind of back their way in there. But to hear his own team being this frustrated, upset, all of the above. Well, you want to talk about people that are mad. How about Dolphins fans having the Steelers completely mail it in and put in all their backups, and their backups almost win the game? Yeah. It, which tells me if they put any of their starters out there, any of their key starters that yeah. didn't play, you're probably going to win that football game against the Browns and the Dolphins backdoor their way into the playoffs. Right. Where Miami had to go to Buffalo and play against the hottest team in football who played their starters, you know, into the third quarter, basically. A, a, a number of them played pretty late in the game. And not that it would have mattered. They would have got beat by the backups the way they performed. But, <laughs> you know, things just started going sideways once they fell behind. The problem is there's some inequity across the league when it comes to that stuff. You know, you're not getting 100% effort out of teams in the last week of the season. And it's really disappointing to see. It's disappointing to see that it didn't actually play out on the field the way it should have. So I think it's something that you're going to see because everybody has to look out for their own best interest as an organization. And I don't think that it's something that you can really be too bitter about as a fan. Yeah. You know, if you go out and win your game, you make the playoffs. So it is what it is. But it's something for me to be a little bitter about here on uh, Wednesday night. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the different, um, you know, the Bills made a point to go and try to get the two seed. If we win the win the game, we are the two seed. And the Steelers, you know, if they win and the Bills lose, could be the two seed. It didn't seem like they cared much to even put an effort forth um, to really garner that. So it's interesting the different... And I can't help but feel like Buffalo would have kept the starters in as long as it takes to, to feel like they were going to win yeah. the game. They would have kept running the starters back out yeah. there. If, if Miami had kept answering, yep. I feel like they would have just brought their starters back out again. Yeah, because they had made the point that we want the second seed. We want, yeah. we, we want to win this game. So. Which, you know, and, and Pittsburgh didn't care because they didn't have a bye week. I mean, I guess you can blame it on COVID. I, you can't really put a lot of blame on Tomlin for wanting to rest his guys after mm-hmm. not really having a... A formal bye week and this season. The Steelers has have a big, a longer shot, right? The Bills all they had to do was win their game. Pittsburgh could win and still not get it if the Bills won. So it's a little different situation. Maybe they figured, well, if Buffalo's going to do their thing, we're not even going to mess around with it. Yeah, yeah, very, very uh, tough to swallow Sunday for a, a Dolphins fan such as myself. As 
you know, the one team that ends up out with ten wins and seven teams going to the playoffs. Yeah, that's when you look across the way and see eight and eighteen and seven nineteen make it for the NFC too, it's awful. Yep. But you know, back to the Eagles point, I don't know, you know, really what we're gonna see out of that organization over the next couple of weeks. I don't know how they repair the damage that may have been done internally with the decisions that Peterson made because yeah. you know those Eagles players wanted to win the football game. Yep. They wanted to win. They wanted to play to win. They, they do not want to play spoiler. It's so much fun. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt about it. You've got one game left in the season. You're telling me these guys prepared all week to go out there and lose and to throw the game essentially late in the game. Down 20 to 14, you've got Nate Sudfeld out there like it's a preseason game, like you don't yeah. care. 100%. All right, let's talk about the national title game. Um, first, let's talk about the two semifinals, Alabama doing what... Like, that game went exactly as we thought it would go. Alabama got out to the big lead, and my, my fear came true. I picked Alabama and said, I'm scared of Notre Dame getting a backdoor cover. That's exactly what happened. Should have just trusted my, my process there and, and stuck with it. But um, Alabama looked far and away the better team. Had, had Notre Dame's offense struggling and uh, really took their foot off the accelerator, honestly, in the second half on offense. They probably could have put up even more points. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it was more important to them to get that game over and yeah. advance to the national championship game. No reason to, to go crazy. They got very conservative, very tight, and avoided any kind of major issues. So, Yeah. And then Ohio State-Clemson. Yeah, kind of caught everybody by surprise. Um except the people in Columbus. Yeah. You know, those that Ohio State team answered that initial drive by Clemson and never looked back. It, they, they go down 7 nothing. they respond, tie the game, and, you know, they just, it looked like a very motivated Ohio State team that has plenty of talent on it. Maybe Dabo had something to do with the motivation? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the little extra that could be there was there. Yeah, you know, as if you're not motivated enough already, but you know that that little bit of extra that that they got out of it could have made a difference there t in some ways. I think that they were the better football team when it came down to it. My concern going into the season was what could Clemson do offensively. You know, Trevor Lawrence is really good. If you take away Travis Etienne, I don't like the weapons as much yeah. on the outside at Clemson going into the season. I, I, I talked about Trevor Lawrence's weapons and my concerns about T. Higgins being gone. And, you know, they had some other injury issues that, that cropped up there at the wide receiver position. And, and we knew the defense wasn't going to be as good. They were losing right. quite a few, like, really good football players with a lot of experience right. on that defense. The side. thing is, you look at Ohio State's players that they lost, and it was like, wow, they've lost a lot on defense too. So yeah. it, it really shouldn't have been such a big surprise that Ohio State did what they did. Um but that was an Ohio State team that just, they weren't happy with the disrespect that they were getting. No. And they were good enough to do what they did to, to Clemson. So it's going to be fun moving forward to the national championship game now. Yeah, absolutely. As we've got, you know, a, a really interesting matchup. Ohio State's got some COVID issues again. They're, they're always, everything's secretive in college football, like who it is until game day. So you got to hope that those issues get cleared up prior to the national championship game. I saw today that there's an announcement that there's going to be no change to the national championship schedule, so that's going to uh, proceed as scheduled on, uh, what is it, Tuesday, Monday, Monday night, right? Yeah. So 
you know, it's hard to pick against Alabama here in this situation. The line is right now sitting at, I see it at 8.5. And, and uh, I think the over-under is uh, 75. So, um, it's just... 75 is such a big number, but when you really look at the two teams, it's so possible. Alabama scores so many points. Yeah, I actually wrote this down as like something, a stat to remember. Alabama's number two in scoring in college football, 48.2 points, and Ohio State's number five at 43.4. So if they hit their average, you're looking at 90 points. 91 points. Yeah. So it's hard for me to bet overs in a college football game that's 75 for the over-under, yeah. especially a national championship game where guys could be a little tight in the first quarter, you know. Yeah, there's usually a feeling out process here. Yeah. In the, in, the, in the big games a lot of times, so. It'll be, it should be a great game, Tom. Do you have a lean in this game? Do you have something you like? So I really like Alabama to win, but minus eight uh, seems like a lot to me. Um, I think Alabama is so explosive on offense with the multiple weapons, too. I think, you I mean, they have the Heisman Trophy winner, at wide receiver now. Yeah, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddles coming back. And Najee Harris is maybe the best running back in Alabama in a while, and they've got a long list of really good collegiate running backs there. So Yeah, since Derrick Henry. Yeah, they're off and, and Najee Harris has broken like all his records now, so it's just crazy how good they are on offense and they seem to do enough defensively to confuse people. Um Ohio State they have this aura of nobody respects us like you can see it in the Clemson game and I, I don't know if they'll be able to if that'll be enough to get them there but I think it's enough to keep them close they're they're big physical old line they have multiple running backs that can just take over a game and if Justin Fields plays like he did against Clemson they can beat anybody yeah um, I, I hate to say it I, I won't make an actual wager until game day until I know what the COVID issues are because I think you're doing yourself a disservice unless yeah. you have a feel for it and you think that line's going to balloon one way or the other. But I would rather see that line adjustment because what I'm looking for is Ohio State to say, most of our key players are here, yeah, we're and we're good, good to go. <laughs> yeah. And for that line to move, it'll it'll move much less in Ohio State's direction. So I can deal with that line moving down to 7.5 and, and still take Ohio State. What I can't do is see them go, oh, okay, Ohio State's got some key players out. That line balloons to ten and a half, and then lay the ten and a half. You know, I I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable making the wager yeah. in that direction. So I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna sit and see kind of what's going on, because I'm not gonna put money on Ohio State if they're gonna lose everybody. <laughs> you know, a bunch of key contributors. Let's say Chris Olave or somebody like that was out for Ohio State. It would be really scary to have that action on Ohio State. So, um, but right now I'm gonna say. Then my my play would be like maybe on the first half under or something like that. I think that that's usually a good play in these big in these big games. Uh, you can get the first half at under thirty seven and a half. So the pick that I'm going to put down on the pot is under thirty seven and a half first half in the championship game. What about you, Tom? What do you got to put on record? Uh, okay. So I think I would. You know, again, it, it's, it's kind of the same kind of deal. I'm looking at it, and I think Alabama's the better team. I think they're going to win, but eight seems like a lot. Um, I'm going to take the Ohio State plus the eight and then wait to see game day. Um, kind of, like you said, 
Yeah. Justin Fields doesn't play. I'm bailing, you know? <laughs> if there's a healthy Ohio State team, I may be inclined to toss a little money on the money line for Ohio State. Yeah. If the Buckeyes are healthy, there's no reason the team can't compete with Alabama. We saw what Florida was able to do yeah, against Alabama. This I like is not it. the Alabama defense of years ago where they're unbelievable. Mm-hmm. This is a team that outscores people and makes you try to keep up, and then when you can't, sorry. Yeah. So uh, Ryan Day is a terrific coach. Yeah. He's going to be as well-prepared as possible for this game. So be, if Ohio State's healthy, I'm going to probably be sprinkling some money on the money line there. Yeah. Uh, if they're reasonably healthy, I'll take the plus the points and then a little on the money line as well, and maybe the under. Yeah. Kind of like the under in this game. I don't know if it gets to 75. I like teams having the opportunity to scheme for the other team's offense. When the other team's offense is so dominant, both teams have great offenses. So where's the focus going to be of these coaches? It's going to be on figuring out ways to slow down those offenses. Yeah. It feels like that could create an under scenario in these big games, and I think that's what happens when you have the extra time to prepare, and that's why you get the slow starts, and then the offensive coordinators make adjustments. Yep. So for me, I think that's why I like a first half under, and that's also why it could stay under for the whole game because if you get a game where the defenses are doing their thing or, you know, the offense can move the ball and then have to punt or turn over in the red zone. Holding calls, kill those things, those things all happen and slow a game down so it's 13-10 at halftime. It does suck betting unders in a big game like this. It though. does. It's not fun. You don't want to root against explosive, yeah. exciting plays. Why are, we, yeah, why are we doing this to ourselves? Because money's more important than enjoying the game. For sure. Absolutely. I'd rather watch a miserable football game and win yeah. than watch an awesome game and lose. Let's move on. Let's talk about the NFL draft order. I'm going to quickly kind of just go through the top 18. It's set. It's in stone, not changing. We have number one. Of course, everyone knows. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's start at 18 and work our way the other direction. 18, the Miami Dolphins. I like it. 17, the Las Vegas Raiders. Arizona Cardinals at 16. New England Patriots at 15, Minnesota Vikings at 14, Los Angeles Chargers at 13, San Francisco 49ers at 12, the New York Football Giants at 11, the Dallas Cowboys at 10, Denver Broncos at 9, Carolina Panthers at 8, Detroit Lions all the way up at 7, uh, Philadelphia Eagles at 6 after their deplorable loss, Atlanta Falcons, oh no I'm skipped it, Cincinnati Bengals at 5, Atlanta Falcons at 4. The Miami Dolphins uh, via the Houston Texans at three, the New York Jets at two, and the Jaguars of Jacksonville at one, and the, holding the golden Trevor Lawrence ticket now. Sorry, Jets fans. Can you remind me to send a thank you letter to Bill O'Brien? <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about it all the time. What is What was he doing? Why? I don't know. The, I don't know. He, the thing is, he's a, he's a really good offensive mind. Yeah. He, he's a very smart football Great. coach. He's a terrible personnel guy. Yeah, he gave away all these picks, and then he turns around and gives away away Hopkins. And what did he? What did they net? You know, Tunsil's not a bad tackle. No, Tunsil might be a top five tackle in the NFL. But but, <laughs> <laughs> and then you got rid of Hopkins for a, a an old running back. Yeah, which still makes no sense. To me. He actually played well down the stretch when he came back from that little injury. Right. But you know, again, he got the third pick. They could, <laughs> for a reason. You could have run a lot of running backs out there. I mean, the Jets ran Frank Gore out there for the 400th time. Yeah. No offense, Frank. You're the man. Yeah, he's still hanging in there, and I don't think he's done yet. No, he's he said he's interested in coming back. He's going to you know, stay working out and see what happens. 
Yeah. Why, why not? He, he can add value to some team at some position, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Here's a fun question we have on the schedule next. NFL coaches openings. We have Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, the New York Jets, and the Los Angeles Chargers. You were given free reign to coach any one of these teams, Kevin. Which opening would you want to fill? I'm going to have to answer your question with a question. Go. Do you have the salary cap space available for each of those teams? Yeah, you're you're inheriting the team. I, as is. Yeah, but what what is I'm saying what is the current available oh, no. salary cap? I think Come they're on. what are what are some of the under the cap, isn't that one of them? Problem is we don't know what the salary cap's going to be next year. It's a yeah. mess for next year cuz it could be anywhere between 175 million floor to like what do they say 228? Yeah. That's a big difference, by the way, if you're trying to plan out a season. As of right now, cap space available. There you go. Um, Jaguars, $74 million. And the number one pick. Jets, $72 million and the number two pick. It's um, almost like spending money makes you win games. Chargers, $31 million. And uh, what, where are they picking, like? Hold on, I had to open a fresh one. I got it all over myself. <laughs> 13 13 okay. With Justin Herbert, a franchise quarterback already in, in tow. Uh, some good defensive players. All right, all right. Um, yeah. One of the other openings here. Um, Lions, $12 million. $12 million? $12 million in cap space. Take that comment about spending money making, making <laughs> getting <Yeah>. wins back. <laughs> um, Texans, they're $17 million over the cap. Yuck. Falcons. Wait, how, how are they over the cap? Falcons nobody are, left. <laughs> Falcons are twenty-four million over the cap. So, based on the scenarios that I see here, I like going to Los Angeles, yeah. coaching the Chargers. You've got the quarterback in place already. You've got defensive ends on both sides to wreak havoc. You've got Derwin James in the secondary on a rookie contract. You've got. You know, plenty of weapons on the outside already. Thirty-one million in cap space and picking in the top half of the draft. I'm, I'm going to Los Angeles. Yeah, so that was my pick as well, which makes it a little boring. But it seems too obvious. I think the only other one that's there's two others that are interesting. I think Houston's a little interesting because you have Deshaun Watson. You already have there, but I feel like that place is a mess now. Like you, you just said they're over the cap. Yeah. So they have to shed cap space. That defense is a mess. The rest of that offense is is questionable, and then uh, Jacksonville is a little intriguing. You got a ton of cap room, and you're getting Trevor Lawrence. They drafted so many good young players last year. In the Jaguars, in, the Jaguars yeah. did last year. Uh, Josh Allen, um, the, the other, the other, yeah, the other corner, um, C.J. Henderson. You know, they, they've got some really good talent there. James Robinson showed up as a as a really good running back, you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence at one overall. You've got $74 million in cap space to shore up that offensive line, add some more weapons with DJ Shark on the outside. Chris Conley's been pretty good. I think that, you know, picking up a, a good tight end somewhere here, maybe Pat Fryermuth in the second round or something like that, there, there are going to be options to make this team really good really fast. Yeah. So it's a great landing spot. And, you know... The Jets, listen, they've got Mekhi Becton. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, they're, 
They're just kidding. Just kidding. No, in all seriousness, you've got a tough decision to make there. Do you do you let Sam Darnold continue for another season, or do you figure? Listen, if Sam Darnold sucks, you draft another position. So you draft Panay Sewell instead yeah. instead of another quarterback here. So Sam Darnold still comes out and sucks. You let him suck for 16 games. Well, you are you're right up in the early part of the draft again, and you've built. A, a wall in front of yeah. whoever the next yeah. guy is, and you've got a ton of cap space to work with too. So don't be frivolous in this off season. Prepare yourself for the future. I, I think that you know they're a couple years away. Understand that a rebuild takes time. This is one of my biggest beefs I've had with Bills fans is you know they want to you know bust on the Dolphins about you know how they're they're not that good and all this other. Stuff. They're in year two of their rebuild under Flores and Greer. You know, let's think back to where Buffalo was in their rebuild process. It's, It took some time. It takes some time. Guys get better as time goes on, especially when you start a bunch of rookies, especially when you're getting your guys, your system. You know, go back to McDermott's second year as a coach. It's not like they lit the world on fire. It's just you have to understand that these things, continuity is important in the NFL. So all these teams that we're talking about now, they're restarting. Don't expect them to come out and go to the championship game next year. You have a couple interesting ones there that aren't restarting with Atlanta and Detroit. I mean, they're not moving on from Matt Ryan. Matt Stafford's kind of. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, though. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think they're at that point in the the guaranteed money. I think the guaranteed money's up, right? I heard Matt Stafford's was, and that's one of the ones where they're kind of saying he might move on. But that, my friends, is a segment for another episode. That's a tease right there. We'll do a little quarterback carousel here in a couple weeks. What if the 49ers and Falcons swap Garoppolo and Ryan? Neither team would be good still. And the Falcons can draft a developmental quarterback behind. Because Garoppolo doesn't throw it downfield to those receivers in Atlanta now. And then Matt Ryan doesn't have guys who Matt are Ryan would, <laughs> Matt, But Matt Ryan would fit back in with Shanahan. That's my thought is that maybe Lynch and Shanahan would want to reunite those guys. Because they've, they've, got a, they've got a team that's tailor-made to come back next year. They need to compete next year. Yeah, they're and good if, enough. If you get Matt Ryan in there, in place of Jimmy Garoppolo, it's a step up, right? Oh, Isn't, for sure. For for next season, I'm talking yeah. next season. Yeah, absolutely, it's a step up. Big step up with somebody like Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford. I mean, you, you could take a big step up there. They keep continuing they to say that. They could take both Mets. They could have all the Mets. They continue to say they're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, but they can let him go, save a ton of money on the cap. He's due twenty five million or something. I don't know. And and yeah, there's like lot. there's only like a three point something million dollar hit. Cap hit if they cut him. Yeah. I can't see keeping him around. No. But you gotta be able to fill the spot before you let him go, so we can devolve into any conversation starting at any point when we start talking <laughs> NFL. Somehow we landed on Matt Ryan being traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> um Alright, we got some hammered takes for rookie of the year. We're gonna do this before the break. So you want to start offense or defense? Let's go ahead and start defense. Yeah, I think defense is more fun because it's more wide open. Right? Yeah. I think offense, it's one or two guys, and that's pretty much the end yeah. of it. Um, you got a couple of guys. One, one that we really were big on, Antoine Winfield Jr. Loved him in college. Comes out, 81 tackles, interception, two forced fumbles, three sacks. Solid season for the rookie. Um Started right away on that Tampa Bay defense, which this defense is much improved. Not unlike we had thought preseason, talking about 
hey, maybe if Jameis doesn't throw 30 picks, they might be all right. Um, yeah. And then the front runner probably, Chase Young, five and a half sacks. Um, the numbers aren't really that flashy for any of these defensive players. But Chase Young's impact was definitely felt when he, you know, getting his team to the playoff. It definitely felt like that defensive line was a big portion of that. Yeah, and you go from at points in the season where Chase Young disappeared, you know, yes. in, in, in the early part of October and into, into November. But you see the impact that he has on games. This guy is yes. a game wrecker. He's going to be awesome for years and years to come. He's going to, at some point, he's going to, you know, get 18, 19, 20 sacks in a season. You don't see dominant edge rushers like this very often. No. He's a, he's a different breed. He really yeah, is. He's so a, He seems to be an animal. Um, right now, he, he's the odds-on favorite to win yeah. um, at minus 375. And right behind him is a guy we didn't talk about yet, Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin is my but, next. But we talked about him so much preseason, yeah. about how much we liked him and his athleticism. And, his and it was going to be a fit thing, right? Like, yeah. you got to use him the right way. And yeah. he landed in Carolina, right? And, yeah. Uh, so he had two touchdowns in one game this year. Yeah, which is pretty remarkable for a defensive player. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's going to be really good for a long time. The thing that you take out of this is this defensive class was pretty good. There were some there's some not great pretty good players. Yeah, good. but you don't you have one standout if you ask me and Chase Young, maybe two and when you add Jeremy Chin in there, Winfield we expected to be really good and and because of the style of play that he has, I thought it would translate quickly in the NFL. Yeah. Um, the role that he plays is, is one that he can learn quickly. But Chase Young shows an, an obvious difference in his athleticism. I, I almost thought we'd see more out of him this year than we did. No, and but, That's why I say, like, five and a half sacks, when you say that, you're like, wow, that's all he had? Because when you watch a game, he flashes so often that you're surprised that that's, you know, you know that's the number he got to. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the offensive rookie of the year. It's a two-man, it's a two-man race. Yeah. Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson. Who know, who remembers who I picked as Offensive Rookie of the Year before the season? Uh, it's definitely Justin Jefferson. It was Justin Jefferson. I don't think either of us had Herbert on the radar. No. I mean, he we thought he was going to be behind Tyrod. Yeah. So, and, and if some doctor knows what they're doing, he probably still was. Yeah. But to me, the most impressive by far is Justin Jefferson, what he's done. I, I know that Justin Herbert's done a lot. He he's had he's breaking records as a rookie quarterback. Five of them. Yeah. <laughs> Justin Jefferson is dominant as a wide receiver right away. Yes. Right away. But at the most important position in football, Justin Herbert set the record for most passing touchdowns by a quarterback, most total touchdowns by a quarterback, most completions by a rookie quarterback, most three hundred yard games by a rookie quarterback, most multiple passing touchdown games by a rookie quarterback. Throwing for 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, only 10 picks. That's an impressive touchdown-interception ratio as a rookie. And, and I'm sure because it's a quarterback-driven league that he'll end up winning it. Yeah. Um, but I'm getting robbed on this one. Justin Jefferson but, is so good. He, he's <laughs> Herbert comes it's out of because, nowhere. It's because Justin Jefferson is immediately a top-10 wide receiver in the NFL with mm-hmm. his performance that he's put on. And... You know, to see a guy do that at the wide receiver position, it, it, when's the last time you saw a wide receiver come in and be dominant in their rookie year? Uh, dominant. Anquan Bolden. Yeah, that's, that's 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, if Justin Herbert's team was 10-6, and six, we'd be talking about does he win the MVP? Well, I don't know if it's, if we'd go that far. but Yeah, his uh, numbers Aaron right Rogers up. Aaron Rodgers is 
45 touchdowns or whatever and sure. three picks he did. I don't think it's even in the conversation. Absolutely. No, I don't think so. I mean, you, you'd have he'd be fifth in the voting. Four, four, fourth, he might in the, third? fourth in the voting. He, he might be Mahomes out. I don't know. There's Patrick Mahomes is beloved. He he gets all kinds of cred for things, even when his performance isn't stellar. I know. There's there's every Sunday or every Monday you can see a meme where if Patrick Mahomes did this, it would be on repeat on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, every Sunday you can every, count on every that. Monday morning you'll you'll see that one. Yeah. I so. Wanna... I mean, I think the thing you unfortunate thing is you have two guys on the offensive side who are more than deserving. Any other year, either one of these guys would win it without even a debate. Um, so, yeah. So, Justin Jefferson received, the, he had, let's see, what was it, he's the second most receiving yards for a rookie of all time. Yeah. Behind a, guy, a record that was set in 1960. It's insane. It's insane. Um, let's see. Needed 111 yards in the Vikings season finale to finish with the most by a rookie in the Super Bowl era. Uh, he beat, he broke Anquan Bolden's record from 2003. Like we pulled Bolden out of my... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first rounder ranked second all-time behind, behind Houston's Bill Groman, who holds a record of 1,473 yards. Who the hell's Bill Groman? Never heard of him, but... They must have been running one hell of an offense in 1960 in Houston. <laughs> <And> 1,400 <laughs> yards. <laughs> Who's their quarterback? What kind of offense were they running in 1960 I'm, I'm going to look into this after the pod. I'm curious. Yeah. 1960 what? He also set the franchise rookie record for receiving yards. Beating Randy Moss. Beating Randy Moss and wearing cleats that paid homage to uh-huh. Randy Moss. Um, so, that I mean, Justin Jefferson, is just, he already broke Moss's franchise record for uh, receptions in a rookie season of 69. Think about that. He just destroyed Randy Moss's rookie records with the Vikings. And it's just, you don't see something like this often. And I'm so happy to have identified it coming into this. You know, you have all the wide receivers that were drafted ahead of him. Yeah, a lot. And yeah, and Justin Jefferson was the guy. And how about the Eagles <laughs> passing on Justin Jefferson? It's because Doug Pedersen sucks. He does suck. He he likes to lose apparently. He does suck. My buddy, that's an Eagles fan, was out of his mind on draft night. Remember Georgie oh, losing yeah, his yeah, shit? Yeah. He was losing. He was like, "Oh, we're getting Justin Jefferson." Yeah. <laughs> they passed on. They him. take Jalen Rager instead. <laughs> Uh, you know, good time. Sorry, Georgie. But, uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break, guys. Uh, we'll be back right after this with the NFL Super Wildcard Weekend Preview. Welcome back, and it's uh, NFL pick time, eh, Tom? Super Wildcard Weekend. All right. Time to get started. We're going to go in order of the game, so we're going to start with the Colts-Bills, 1 o'clock on Saturday. It'll be a fun little football game here. What do we got the line at right now? Last I saw it was like six and a half. Yeah, uh, I think it's right in that area still. I have it at seven right now. Uh, nice. Yeah, so you can get it at seven if you like the Colts side in this one. Yeah. Spoiler, I don't like the Colts side. Actually, uh, I have it at seven and a half here, so. Do you? Um, yeah, it's an interesting matchup. I think you have the Colts who are, you know, run the ball, try to hit some play-action passes, 
and play solid, sound defense. You know, there, there's on defense, they don't have anybody flashy. Like some of these teams we're going to get into here have those pass rushers that just keep you up at night. They don't really have any of that, but they have, you know, just solid defense all around. It, they're, they're kind of that same solid offense, solid defense. Neither side, like, terrorizes you, but they're going to play a good game, and you're going to have to beat them. Yeah, the, the best players on that team would be DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Uh, would be their best players on the defensive side of the ball. And then Quentin Nelson is a stud on the offensive line. Phillip Rivers, experienced guy. Jonathan Taylor is really coming into his own as a running back. I think that the Colts do match up a little bit challenge in, in a little bit of a challenging way for yeah. Buffalo because they, they like to run the ball. They've got a quarterback who's got some experience. He's been there, done that. And they've got some defensive players who can hang in there. I just don't know if they can create enough pressure up front without blitzing people to create problems for Josh Allen, which seems to be that old Giants formula that, that was good when they could rush four guys and get to the passer all the time. Yeah. With the O.C. Uminyora and JPP and Michael Strahan, that style of defense with a great front four, I think would be the, the nemesis of the Bills. So, for me, I, I'm not going to pick a side in this game. Uh, I'm instead going to pick the over-under here at 51.5. I expect both teams to do their thing on offense. I think the Bills' defense will struggle with the run game, and I'm going to take the over 51.5 here in this game. Oh, there's no doubt where I'm going. Bills minus the 7.5. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if that line changes a lot or it stays where it's at. It seems to be hovering between the 6.5, 7.5. So, uh, I like it. I like my Bills' chances. I'm pretty excited about it. All right, uh, moving on. Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks, 4.40 p.m. on Saturday. Right now I have the Rams at plus 3.5. Yep. So you've got an interesting question. Is Jared Goff going to play in the game? These two teams just played a couple weeks ago. Are the Rams, with a healthy Goff, if he can throw the football, that's one thing. Question marks about whether he can or not? I don't know. I don't know. I think the Seahawks are kind of finding their stride right now. Jamal Adams is a question mark as well. Yeah. So there are a lot of questions going into this game. Um, I'm gonna, teams, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, the teams, they split the season series, but the Seahawks not only won the last time they played, the Seahawks have been on a bit of a tear quietly. They're 6-1 and one in their last seven games. Uh, you know, played some lesser competition. They played the Cardinals, the Eagles, Giants, Jets, Washington football team uh, in that stretch, but they're still winning their game. Six and one in their last seven um, since that Rams loss, actually. So they they pulled away and uh, they seem to be the team that's playing the better football, seem to be the team that's healthier and they're home. Yeah. So you're leaning Seahawks? Yeah, I'm leaning Seahawks, especially if golf can't play. Uh, we'll see what the number gets to, but at three and a half, I like that even if Goff is, is the quarterback there. With Goff, if the, if the number's still 3.5, I'll take the Rams to, to keep it tight. Yeah? Yeah. I I like their style of play in general, but they've got a lot of injury problems. I'm going to go ahead and, and put myself down for plus 3.5 with the Rams right now because I think the number could move if Goff is healthy. It might, it might get down to 3, 2.5. It'd be a very, very good game, I think. These two teams know each other very well, obviously and should create a good matchup. The over-under sits at 42. Yeah, it's gross. So, yeah, if, uh, if Goff goes, I'm also on the over. 
Then we have the nightcap on Saturday. Uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading up to Washington to play the Washington football team. The home team, Washington football team, is plus nine. Oof. Yeah, I'm on the Washington football team plus the nine. Yes. You you have a defensive front that can get after Tom Brady. You have question marks with Mike Evans as to whether or not he's going to go. And you've got a healthy Alex Smith, seemingly going to be more healthy than he was this week even. Um, I, I think that Washington can, with the return of all their players that were out, I think they can hang in this game. Yeah, this is another one I feel the same way. I'm going to take Washington. This reminds me, it's not quite the, the size of the line, but it reminds me when the Seahawks first backed into the playoffs and we had the the beast mode run that set the earthquake. Uh, you know, they were big dogs in that game. I think it was 12 or 14 points to a New Orleans Saints team that was much better than them in the regular season. But a, a team playing at home who can run the ball and play defense, uh, it gives you a chance and it allows you to stay close. I think plus nine is a lot for a playoff team at home. And uh, I'll take the points, and I'll, I'll, I'll gladly cheer against Tom Brady. Let's just say that. Let's go to Sunday, Tom. Sunday? Baltimore Sun- Ravens at Baltimore. Tennessee Titans. What a fist fight of a game. This just like, seems like it should be, right? Baltimore at Tennessee. The Tennessee is plus three and a half at home hosting the Ravens. Another one of those weird kind of lines where these teams are both 11 and 5. They're both really good. They played this year. Yes, they did. And it went to overtime. Yeah. And the Titans won in overtime. Yeah. Uh, really fun game. Of course, Derrick Henry capped it off with a big run. Uh, but one thing that's notable is everyone was healthy for this game because both teams have had kind of some ups and downs health-wise. Lamar Jackson played. Everybody on Tennessee that was important played. So, interesting game. I'm going to... I'm going to take the points with the Titans at home. Three and a half at home. A team that runs the ball extraordinarily well. They're built for the playoffs. They showed it last year going to Baltimore and taking that the game last season. Uh, I think that not a lot has changed with this Titans team. Uh, they still have the same kind of powerful offense and play-action game. A.J. Brown has taken a step forward this year. Everything here tells me that Tennessee is going to win the football game. I would take them at even money. I like them to win on the field at plus 160. So this is going to be our consensus pick of the week, guys. We're, we're both on Tennessee, and I think, you know, what Kevin said, they beat them last year in the playoffs. Now, Tennessee's very similar to, to the team that rolled out there last time. But Baltimore's worse. Yeah. Their defense is not as good as it was last season. They're not playing as good. They don't have the same personnel. So Tennessee's the better team. They're at home. They're getting the points. I also think a money line play on this is just makes too much sense. Could be wrong, obviously, that these games happen. But everything you look at just seems like Tennessee's that good. Tennessee's defense has holes. In the last few weeks, people have been throwing it on them like crazy. But that's not Baltimore. They're right. not going to do that. So, Chicago at New Orleans. New Orleans, 10-point favorites I have them as. Minus 10. Yeah. That's a big number again uh, for this game. Oof. I'll start right in here, Tom. Yeah. Over 47 and a half. Uh, the Bears' offense had scored 30 straight, 30 points in three straight games going into last week. I can't remember what they finished at last week. Um, but they moved the ball at times against that Green Bay team. Um, the Saints, I think that Drew Brees is, is closer to healthy. Yeah. They're finding their stride. They may end up winning this game comfortably. This may be, you know, 38 to 20. But I think that both teams are going to get their points. 
and I like over 47 and a half in this spot. I think my my guess. I get you 47. How do you feel? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I can get a little that, just give me that half. Give me that half. So yeah, I take. I'll take it at 47, Tom. And um, talking about that, I, I I love it, Tom. That that you just mentioned that there's some guys that the Cover Three podcast does that a lot, right? Yeah. They have different they have different books that they use. Um, next year, one of my goals for us is to have a community fund, the Hammered Sports Gambling Fund, uh, where we'll use multiple books. We'll find the best price that we can get, yeah. and then you'll see an actual dollar amount total each week. We'll break that down for you. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. Come on, New York State legislators, get this done. Yeah, it looks like it's going to happen. So, otherwise, you know, we'll find other ways to wager, which yeah. most people in America do. <laughs> I'm on what the Bears. Like? Yeah, you I'm like on the, the Bears 10? plus the ten. Uh, the ten points is a lot. These two teams also played in the regular season, and the Saints won in overtime. It was a game where Breeze played, Kamara played. Um, you know, the Bears are tough. It was a final in that game. It was low, lower scoring, wasn't it? Which sucks for me based on the fact that I just called out the over. But Yeah, 26-23. Oh, so, that, that's 49. That's 49. That's 49 on the slow track of Soldier Field. Yeah. We're going to the speed track at uh, at the Dome, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Yeah, I mean, Breeze had a good game. 280 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, only sacked once. But the Bears were able to do enough, ran the ball, uh, played keep away a little bit, and uh, were able to... Can, can we just talk about the Bears wide receivers and how ungodly underrated Robinson and Miller are? Oh, incredibly. They're so good. Incredibly. Yeah, Anthony Miller played at Memphis. He's such a really talented receiver. And can you imagine if they had a truly good quarterback yeah. in that town? It's, it's, a, it's a team that could be so difficult to deal with week in and week out. Poor Allen Robinson. He's going to be a free agent again. Yeah. Where's he land? There's a lot of money out there in, in teams. God willing, he comes down to South Florida. I mean, I think he spends his off seasons there. Be a nice place to land, Allen. Just <laughs> saying. No state income tax. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The last game of the week, which could be terrible. Let's be honest. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. They just played last week. Pittsburgh ran out. Mason Rudolph tempted fate by putting him in front of Garrett. Rudolph has a great game, throws for 300 yards, but the Cleveland Browns still win. Now we're running it back. I have a gut feeling on this one, Tom. Before you get your gut feeling, we have to talk about the COVID issues in Cleveland. Yeah. We got a head coach we with, with Cleveland COVID. Tom's not drinking as much as me tonight. <laughs> we, the Cleveland head coach has COVID. And allegedly some players are dealing with some issues. I haven't seen a list of who or anybody being added. Joel Batonio, their offensive guard, yeah. is one of the names that I've seen. I think that some guys will come back. They, they All their tests were negative today. Um, but anybody that tested positive this week obviously is out. So um, if Batonio tested positive, he'll be out. That's not going to be helpful. I have, a, I have a weird, weird feeling that this is the end of the line for Ben Roethlisberger. The Cleveland defense has not been impressive, but something tells me that this Browns team has a, a level of motivation, a level of excitement about this that they've never had before. I'm taking a big swing here because this is one that can make you look stupid when you do this. 
Yeah. I think the Browns are going to win the game on the field. I think they're going to advance in the playoffs here. I think Baker Mayfield has a chip on his shoulder. I think the Browns team as a whole has a chip on their shoulder. They've had COVID issues for several weeks in a row now dealing with this stuff coming down the stretch. They lost a game to the Jets. They barely hung on to beat the Steelers' B unit last week. This Cleveland team is going to come out on fire. I just have a feeling they're going to come out on fire and win the game on the field. What can I get for a money line on now, what you're looking at? 215. There, yeah, 215. I got 220 here. Give me two plus 220 on the Cleveland Browns. My money line play of the week. Whew. Whew. I'm taking the Steelers. All, all everything aside, gut feeling, I get it. Sometimes it happens. I just. Watching them play against Cleveland last week and seeing how good they looked. And seeing Cleveland struggle to beat them, and now knowing that Big Ben's going to be back, uh, some of the other Steelers defenders are going to be back. Uh, I just I can't imagine Cleveland maybe out a few guys. If you ask me right now, I'm going to give up the six and a half. I'm going to take the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's hard to to kind of <laughs> make this call, but you know, it, it's something that. I just decided that I thought that there was a spot here, something available. So, uh, you know, go Browns. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will see how it turns out. I, I'm honestly afraid that that game's going to be a dud, and Sunday night will end with just like a 23-10 to 10 boring Pittsburgh win where it's never in doubt and it's just kind of lame. That's my fear in life. I'll say my dad's been a lifelong Browns fan. I'm kind of rooting for him. I, I hate that the Bills are going to have such an easy path. I mean, easy, you know. Relatively. Relatively. Yeah. I, I, I love the matchup better to see Bills-Titans or Bills-Ravens in round two. I, I want to see that matchup because I think that the winner of that game gives a better game to Kansas City. It, it opens a path for, for the two other teams. So... I don't want to see Ravens, uh, Ravens or Titans against Kansas City in round two. You know, <laughs> I want to see how the Browns would perform with that running game, slow it down style at Kansas City. Like I just think the matchups play out more fun for me here. Something different for sure. Yeah, but that's it, guys. That's it. We're gonna move on to next week, where we've got. We got the divisional playoff. We'll obviously, we'll recap the wild card and national championship. Great weekend of football. The three NFL playoff games Saturday, three NFL playoff games Sunday, and then a national title game Monday night. Hallelujah! We'll be back next week to talk about the division. A couple weeks down the road, just to give you guys a little preview, we're going to start talking about team needs. It's getting to be draft season, baby. The Senior Bowl is not far away, so we've got lots to talk about. Um, Combine's like six weeks away. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. So we'll we'll start with team needs, and then we'll go into our position group reviews, and we'll talk about the top tens at each position group. Um, then we'll have our live mock again this year. Uh, I'm super excited. I don't know about you, Tom. My, yeah, this is my favorite time of year, man. Football playoffs and draft around the corner. All right. All right. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy the football. See ya.